I'm Whitney. And I'm Taylor. And we're the Ghost Sisters. Okay, so what are we doing today? Talking about time slips. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping. I actually have so many time songs. So, yeah, I immediately thought, let's do the time warp. That was the other one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was another one. Awesome. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, we're going to talk about. Time slips. I guess we're just going to go straight into it. Sure. All right. Um, so I did do research. I actually was like on top of my game and like did it ahead of time. Yeah. Um, not that I don't do my research, but I was really like, oh, we're doing it. So but um, I feel like some of the stuff that I got as far as like science and whatnot goes over my head. But I'm like, sure. Makes sense. So we'll get into it. Yeah, maybe I can help you with the science part of it. Like, theoretically, it makes sense to me. Like, I understand what they're saying. But then, like, while I read it, I'm like, mumbo jumbo. <laughs> so, but I mean, in the end, I understand what what we are talking about. So, okay, cool stuff. Alrighty. Time slips are a paranormal phenomenon in which a person seems to travel through time, either forward or backwards. The person experiencing the phenomenon doesn't know how the time slip occurred or uh, they don't have the ability to pick and choose like, oh, I'm going to go here and I'm going to do this. It just happens. Which is terrifying if you ask me because... You know, you could, if you don't have control over when the time slip is going to let you back out, you may come out like, I come out at 36 years old when I really should be 92. Like, that's, that's terrifying to me. So I didn't find anything about like people being stuck for years and years at a time. I mean, I don't know if there's someone that time slipped for five years, hit us up, man. Um, cause what is your life? But right? also like, I never saw anything like that. It was just mo- like more moments of like a day or a time and they managed to slip back into the past. Okay. So going with that, Einstein's theory of relativity, gravity can be described as motion of objects following curved lines in space or rather space time. So the curved lines are caused by the presence of a mass for example, the Earth or the Sun. And in other words, according to Einstein, mass causes space-time to curve. Correct. Okay. Objects moving near that mass will roll towards it, much like a ball would roll towards a heavy person sitting on a trampoline. Okay. So with that, as the Earth spins, it could cause a twist in the fabric of space-time. Okay. So in the, the, the diagram that I saw was like, you know, the earth is sitting and then underneath it is kind of like a weird down spiral of like to describe it. Okay. So with that, NASA back in 2005 actually came up with gravity probe B, GPB. GPB. Just ahead whenever GPB. GPB. So in order to test Einstein's theory. So this is all according to science.nasa.gov. So the way that the GPB works is it has four of the world's most perfect spheres that have ever been created by man. Um, They're put together. And then this is put around the Earth's um, orbit. So then that way, whenever like the spheres are going, it's not the axis of it isn't tilting one way or another because it has to be perfect spheres within it for it to stay stable. So it's like a gyroscopic thing. Okay. But it's spinning around the Earth's orbit. Right. Right. So uh, the gyroscopic axis should continue to point towards the one spot forever. But if space is twisted, the direction of the gyroscope's axis would start to shift and drift over time. Nothing should... So 
I barely touched my mouse and my notes were like, and they completely <laughs> scrolled. So. I thought I thought for a second you were like, and I just time traveled. <laughs> uh, uh, wow, I learned I can't do this episode. Wow. Okay, no, back to it. So anyways, if the gyroscopic axis does start to drift and there's a change in the direction relative to the point that it's pointed at, this is how space and time can be measured. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, great. Because you're making the same face that I think I was making whenever I was trying to read it. I was like, it makes sense. But my brain is also like, fuck, what? So, no, I'm thinking more of a, you know, because the Earth, the Earth's axis tilts um, and it moves between 22 and a half. No, I think it's 22 and a half degrees to 24 degrees um, maximum tilt on its axis. And its axis actually wobbles as it moves through space. So I wonder what makes Earth different from these spheres, aside from the fact that Earth is not a perfect sphere. It actually bulges out at the the equator. But I, I'm just interested in, in how those two compare to one another. It's just my brain doing the science. I, yeah, I don't know. You went past my research. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so with that lovely question, Taylor... Some PhD student out there can look into it. Yeah, yeah. Hit us up if you're like a space-time person physicist. Is that what that is? I don't... Yes, the physicists are the ones that look into space-time. Heard that. Physicists. Hit us up. All right, let's go. So in 2011, NASA actually received data back that confirmed that the Earth has a four-dimensional space-time vortex. So it's it's confirmed, y'all. Confirmed by NASA themselves. So cool. what that means is that instead of an object simply just revolving around the Earth, it is a revolving around it while the Earth itself is spinning, causing the vortex around it to pull down and spin. So like I said, picture picture the ball the ball is the Earth. Mm-hmm. I just came up with a random ball. Picture the Earth and it's a ball and underneath it is like a weird spinning tornado vertex of space and time. Okay. Okay. So the same that they give, the example is um, if someone is sitting in the middle of a trampoline, you put an object on it, it will not only go towards the person, but it will go down. Right. Okay. So, man, science. All right. So. See, I'm over here like fascinating. (laughs) So Francis Everett, um, he's the GPB principal investigator at Stanford University, said, quote, imagine the Earth as if it were immersed in honey. As the planet rotates, the honey around it would swirl. And it's the same with space and time. GPB confirmed two of the most profound predictions of Einstein's universe, having far-reaching implications across astrophysics research. Likewise, the decades of technology innovation behind the, the mission will have a lasting legacy on Earth and in space. Cool. I feel like the honey representation is really like, because you can picture like the honey swirling and moving yeah, like- as the Earth swirls in it. Yes. So all of that to be said, Einstein did have the theory of time is not linear. Correct. To this moment right now is happening multiple times. And the moment that we just talked about with all that science is also happening concurrently with this moment right here. So when will then be now? Soon. Soon. <laughs> I also thought Jeremy Barry. So Jeremy Barry, what from the uh, the Good Place? Did you oh, ever watch yeah, Jeremy? Okay, I was yeah. like, I thought you watched this. <laughs> the eye broke me. Okay, <laughs> I remember. I'm with you now. Okay. Okay. All right. So. Still on the science, so I hope you guys are like really hanging in there with me. I sure am. Okay, there's John William Dune or Dunn, D U N N E. I'm gonna go with Dune. 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 John William Dune was a British soldier, um, aeronautical engineer, and a philosopher. He studied precognitive dreams. This does tie in. Okay. Precognitive dreams in 1927 and went on to develop the theory of serial time that was eventually published in a book called An Experiment with Time. So Dune proposed that our experience of time as linear is an illusion brought about by human consciousness. He argued the past, present, and future were continuous 
in we're continuous in a higher dimensional reality and we only experience them sequentially because of our mental perception of them. So just, I know we were just joking, but just like I was saying, all that science mumbo jumbo that I just talked about, like if you guys hit rewind and go back, that's happening now, but it's also not happening now. It's happening in the future, but it's also happening right fucking now. But this moment where I'm freaking out about stuff happening right now is happening now. So in that theory, it's possible that all of a sudden you could have a time slip and end up back in time or in the future because all time is happening at the same time. I'm not high enough for this. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really like, yeah, it, it hits. It hits different. Okay. So we got to breathe. We got to, we got to take a moment. <laughs> yeah, like really like. I don't do that much science in one like sitting, but also at the same time, like you're right. Like I really should be high for that because like, God damn. That wasn't even like, that is like there's science and then there's philosophical science and that's on a whole other level. And philosophical science makes my brain want to melt. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Cause you're, you're like, yeah, I'm with you. I get it. Space time yeah. vortex. And then all of a sudden you're like, but everything's happening at the same time, but not at all. And it's just terrible. Yeah. So really, you can't be mad at past Whitney because past Whitney is current Whitney, who's also future Whitney. Yeah. And future current past Whitney are all dicks. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's so legit. <laughs> none can be mad at the other because we're all dicks in the end. So it doesn't matter. So it's fine. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. next time I'm yelling at past Whitney for not putting gas in my car, I can just say, hey, current Whitney and future Whitney and past Whitney, you're an asshole. That's fair. Future Taylor loves past Taylor because current Taylor typically is like, future Taylor would love me if I did this. So oh, I'm like, future Whitney would really enjoy. Yeah, but current Whitney wants to take a nap. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely going to take a nap. Yeah. All right. So what did all that science mumbo jumbo have anything to do with our podcast is what everyone is asking. Yes. That leads us to our stories. Nice. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, all right. dun. So there have been accounts. I'm, I'm going to say quote unquote accounts because obviously we, we, you and me, Taylor, you're a scientist of some different manner. I am not a scientist whatsoever. So I can't take any of the accounts and be like, hey, yeah, you got this. Yeah, you're you're correct, sir. That's fair. I'm a geologist. All I know is rock on table now or rock on floor. Rock on, though. Ho -ho! <laughs> All right. I take you for granite. <laughs> okay. Continue. All right. This is a bunch of schist. Okay, let's go. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> Okay. Nice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we're going to move on to Liverpool, England. What up, y'all? So apparently Bold Street, Bold Street, seems to be a hot spot for different people to have time slips. Okay. So I have a little bit of history of Bold Street. And only one part of it makes me think like... Yeah, this could be like a hot spot for some crazy activity, but also at the same time, not really. Like, I haven't found anything that says for one instance or another, you would experience a time slip in a spot. Right. More so than you would somewhere else. So the history of Bold Street, it was named after a sugar trader, James Bold, in 1780. Um, and it was laid out for residential use a little bit later. In 1802, Bold became the mayor of Liverpool, and Bold Street mainly housed dock workers um, since they needed housing to stay close to the docks. Okay. It was also called the rope walks. Back in the 18th century, soldiers would actually measure out their ropes for their boats with the street itself. Like it was the perfect length that they needed for their boats. Huh. So there's the Lyceum that's at the end of Bold Street that has an interesting past. It used to be a gentleman's club. It went to a library and then it was also a coffee shop for some abolitionists. That is an interesting past. Like it was doing the nasty and then it was doing the smart. And now it's like, come write your screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't look too far into what the Lyceum is as of current. 
Uh. or any of the rest of its past, but those were just some things that it noted that were also there. St. Luke's Church um, can be seen at the top of Bold Street and is named the quote-unquote bombed-out church because of how badly it was damaged in the Blitz of 1941. And it actually still stands today. It's a memorial to everyone that has that they've lost and everyone that stood bravely over the years, not just during that time. Okay. So that's just a little history of Bold Street. In July 1996, a policeman named Frank and his wife Carol were visiting Liverpool to do some shopping. They both went their separate ways. Carol went to a place called Dylan's Bookshop on Bold, and Frank went to Branalog Street uh, to go to a record store. After about 20 minutes, Frank decided to head back to meet up with his wife at Dylan's on Bold. At that point, he noticed everything was oddly silent for a moment until all of a sudden the boxcar that was from the 1950s was honking at him and nearly missing him. Across the street where the bookstore Dylan's was is now a store called Crips, C-R-I-P-P-S, which had women's bags and clothing instead of books. He took a look around and noticed that the people on the street were wearing clothing that also looked like it was straight out of the 40s and the 50s. Hmm. And at some point while looking around and trying to figure out what happened, he saw a woman, possibly in her 20s, wearing clothes that looked like they were from the 90s. So from his time period, Um, she walked straight by him and went to go into the clothing store. He followed her inside and all of a sudden the interior of that store changed back into the bookstore. Okay, so there's a woman from the 90s here? So, yeah. So, everyone that he saw was from, like, the 40s and 50s. But then he spotted a woman wearing clothes that looked like it was from the 90s. And she walked into this clothing store. So, he actually followed her in. It changed instantly back into Dylan's, the bookstore. He found the, like, went up to the woman and asked, like, did you see that? Like, what what just happened? And she very nonchalantly said that... Yeah, I thought it was a new shop that had like just opened. Uh, I was going to get some new clothes, but now it's a bookshop. And then chuckled and shook her head and walked out. As one often does. (laughs) Super, super casual. So like no big deal. (laughs) Um, So that's that's one instance of Bold Street having a little little time slippage there. I 100% would be out on the curb screaming like I uh uh. That's freaky. That's mm-mm. especially if the person that was there with me, like that was ex- in that moment experiencing with me, was just kind of casually like, "It happens." Like, like, eh, not my first rodeo. Talk to me when you've been in the twenties. No biggie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, in two thousand six, a man named Sean was actually running from a security guard after stealing something. He was running down Hanover Street and then decided to shake him off by going down Brooks Alley. Once he turned down, he started having troubles breathing and he was waiting for the guard to come, you know, come get him around the corner, but he never did. He explained that the breathing kind of, it wasn't, it wasn't like he had asthma or anything. It was more like the environment and atmosphere, something changed. And so he was having trouble breathing. So thinking he had escaped, he decided to go back out around the corner and start towards Bolt Street. At that point, he started to notice that things were were not how they were before. Uh, there were street signs that didn't used to be there. Older models of cars, outfits of people that didn't match the time. Around then, he started to, dis- to suspect he was no longer in 2006. He found a newspaper stand, and the newspaper read May 18th, 1967. Huh. He started panicking, remembered he still had his cell phone, and he tried to call. But of course, there was no signal because it's 1967. He continued to walk and he found a jewelry store that he recognized, H. Samuel the Jeweler. He went inside trying his phone again and it actually worked. But he looked out the window and everything still looked wrong. Eventually, he left the store, hopped on a bus, headed home. He was like, fuck this shit and left. So, of course, this guy that was a thief now became got his 15 minutes of fame. His story was so crazy that the news interviewed him. He repeated the same story up to four times and there was no change in his story whatsoever. Huh. Are you ready for the next part? No, but okay. The security guard was also interviewed. 
And he stated that he did indeed chase Sean down Hanover Street and turn down Brooks Alley where he had seen him go. And he completely vanished from sight. Oh, my God. So Sean straight up yeeted out of 2006 into 1967 and popped back out somewhere else. There's nothing okay about that. Because like you have no control of when you come back out of it. So he literally could have just popped into 1967 and just stayed there. Yeah. Like, that's horrifying to me. Yeah. Glitch in the Matrix kind of stuff. Ooh. Yeah. You should do a whole thing on Glitch in the Matrix. Holy shit. Okay. Get get on it, man. Ooh. What you waiting on? I'm just going to sit here and make that noise for the rest of the... <laughs> okay. I'm sure everyone greatly appreciates that. Jokes. <laughs> okay. So my next story is actually in... Um, Oh my god, what's that place called? Don't put this in, Taylor. <laughs> what my brain just broke. Louisiana. All right. <laughs> I thought it was gonna be some obscure like Sri Lanka or something in Louisiana. Oh <laughs> uh, my brain just was like, nope, fuck you. Because I kept wanting to say New Orleans, and I was like, it's not, but it's where New Orleans is. It's in Louisiana. Okay, so this this took place in Louisiana. Okay. All right, so this actually came from a, a, a magazine called Strange Magazine, number two, in 1988. Okay. The guy that wrote the story actually knows the man that went through this. Okay. So this is a secondhand account, I guess. Okay. All right, so on October 20th, 1969, a man who in the story is called LC, but since that's all he gives, I'm going to call him Lee. Uh, was with his business associate who was, we're going to call Charlie because that's what the article did. So his name's Charlie. Lee and Charlie were in Abbeville in Southwest Louisiana after getting some lunch. From there, they began to drive from Abbeville to Lafayette, which is only about a 15 mile drive. So they were driving along. There's no traffic in either direction. They're on highway 167, which apparently doesn't have, you know, any side roads. It's pretty, pretty straightforward. Okay. So they're driving along and they notice they come up to this old timey car that's like really just slugging by like it's super slow. And they look and it looks like a brand new car from the 1940s. And it, it's in perfect condition. And it actually has 1940 as the year on the license plate. And okay. that's what struck Lee. I was like, hey, you can't. That's that's probably not legal. There's no way unless this is some kind of like, you know, festival car or parade car or something like that. Right. But so they pull up to the car because it's going like super duper slow. They pull up to the car and notice that there's a young woman and a small, small child in the car. And they're wearing outfits that look straight from the 1940s with like heavy coats. And Lee and his buddy... They have the the windows down in their car because it's like 60 degrees. So they're mm -hmm. like, why do you need those heavy coats? What's going on? The woman was started looking around pretty frantically. And at that point, Lee, who was in the passenger seat, kind of motioned and asked like, hey, do you need help? And she nodded yes. And so he worked trying to get her to like, hey, I need you to pull over. Like, we'll pull over here and I'll help you out. Of course, her windows are up. His window is down. So she's having trouble hearing him. So. Finally, it looks like she's going to pull over. So Lee and Charlie pull over, see that the woman is slowing down even further to pull over behind them on the shoulder. Once they stopped to check to see where she was, she simply vanished. Again, the highway that they're on doesn't have any side streets or anything. There's no way for her to just turn down a different road or hide behind a bush or hide behind a sign. So they're sitting there kind of freaked out. When all of a sudden another car pulls up behind them on the same road. We're going to call this guy Greg. So Greg gets out of the car, walks up to Lee and Charlie. And he's like, hey, dude, what the fuck? Like, what just happened? And he says that he, what he saw was he saw a newer car, the car that Lee and Charlie were driving, starting to pass an older car, the one that looked like it was from the 1940s. And it was going so slow, it almost looked like they were stopped. But then finally, he noticed that they started to pull off. So the newer car pulls off to the side. He watches the older car pull off to the side as well, almost blocking completely the view of the newer car from him and then just vanished, leaving just the newer car and Greg's car on the road. 
So the three men decide that they're going to do an extensive search looking for the car or the woman or any sign of either. And they never find anything. The men end up exchanging phone numbers. And apparently Greg would call Lee every so often and be like, hey, dude, that actually happened. And he's like, yeah, that did happen. Okay, I 100% would need that as well. Like you have to call and tell me like, dude, that legit happened. Because I would think I was going crazy. Also, this poor woman, I would much rather jump back in the past than jump to the future. Because the past, at least you can put a time frame to what you're looking at. The future, you have no idea. You know, she jumps into the future and all of a sudden there's this very crazy looking car next to her. And this man that is dressed nothing like she would have ever expected and he's talking to her like I could see that being absolutely terrifying and so that's interesting that you took that point of view on it because my thought was like what if it's just a ghost car Hmm. it could be a ghost car I was also thinking or under the impression that Lee and Charlie and Greg slipped into the 1940s whenever you're saying the car from the 1940s slipped into 1969 yeah which would be a little terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Both ways is terrifying, but I think slipping forward is is more terrifying. Or is it also super cool? Because then you watch it come to fruition afterwards. I mean, it would be, but I I don't know because I mean, what if you come into a time period where all of a sudden like cats are ruling the world or something like that and you have to wonder if that's coming for like coming up in your time, like your lifetime, you know, <laughs> like, like something super crazy. Like you jump forward in time and suddenly your entire city is destroyed. Like, and then you jump back in time and you have to wonder, oh my God, is that coming for me? I guess it depends. Yeah, I don't know. And then also, would you then try to stop it? Oh, yeah, that's legit. Would you try to stop it from happening? But if you don't know when it's coming... I think that would drive you crazy. You'd spend your entire life doing something that you have no idea if this is actually going to make a difference or not, which is literally what we do every day. So, Or, Taylor, what if you are already crazy and you are now experiencing past crazy, future crazy, and current crazy all at the same time? Nope. Mm -mm. Nope. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Just fucking nope. I I noped out of that. My brain was like, and I'm someplace else now. (laughs) And I can't. All right. So my last story is actually a pretty long one. So bear with me, you guys. But this is probably like the more famous. Um, If you look up anything that has to do with time slips, you're going to come across these two uh, lovely ladies from Paris. Buckle up, bitches. Buckle up. Let's go. All right. So they actually ended up writing a book. So their real names aren't Mrs. Morrison and Mrs. Lamont, but... At the time, they didn't want to associate their their names with this craziness. Mm-hmm. But since everything is written as Mrs. Morrison and Miss uh, Miss Lamont, I'm going to refer to them as such. Okie dokie. So the book that they wrote is called An Adventure, which I did get on my uh, Audible. Ooh. But I have I have some thoughts and feelings about the Audible. So if you guys are ever like, I'm just gonna get that and download it. Um, and sorry, dude, if you ever somehow managed to come across our podcast, it's not that I'm hating on you, but also like it sounds like you picked up this book and we're like, I'm going to do an audible and you decided to make an audible out of it because <laughs> it does just kind of sound like this dude is recording in his kitchen and has like pages on like a music stand. Like there's a few times you hear them wrestle or like he'll stop and be like, uh, uh, uh. or he just will repeat the same line because he didn't like the way he took it, but then didn't edit it. So anyways, that's my little like, it's like audible (laughs) amateur hour. Yeah. Yeah. So Miss Morrison and Miss Lamont were visiting Versailles on August 10th, 1901. So the two women uh, were in France to work for something that Miss Lamont was doing. I believe she was like building a school or something like that. So Miss Morrison was there helping and they decided to go do some sightseeing. So they wanted to find the Petite Trianon, Petite Trianon. You speak French? I can't see the word, so I don't know. (laughs) I know petit. P-E-T-I-T. Yeah, petit. T-R-I-A-N-O-N. Trianon. 
Trianon. So petit trianon, because I don't spark in the French. Okay. So they they decided to go find the petit trianon in Versailles. Uh, the two women started their way towards the petit trianon, not fully sure exactly where they were going. Miss Morrison followed Miss Lamont because she seemed pretty confident that she knew where she was going and started to head down the path. But she was surprised that Miss Lamont didn't stop to ask the woman that was shaking a white cloth out of a nearby window for directions. So they continued down the path. Uh, They started talking about their work, about other things of interest when they saw a building that had an open doorway with a carved staircase that ended towards that doorway. They didn't really see anyone around, so they didn't want to intrude or take a look, you know. So they were like, we'll just keep walking. We'll find this place. So as they continue down their path, they see two men who they believe look like gardeners, the way that they're dressed. One of them maybe has a spade and there's there's like a wheelbarrow kind of near him. Miss Lamont asks, you know, which way do we need to go to get to the petit tree nun? And they say, oh, it's, you know, that way. Like, yeah. And she asks a couple of times and they keep repeating it in the same fashion. So they're like, all right, let's go. So they keep going down the path. Miss Lamont kind of looks around and she notices that there's a house and there's a woman outside and there's a girl that's standing in, in the doorway. The woman's handing the jug to this girl. She's maybe like 13 or 14. They just keep going about their lives and keep walking. Around this point, both of the women start to notice that they both are feeling really down and depressed and just this overwhelming oppression that they just can't shake. But they don't want to really really alarm the other one, so they never really say anything about it to each other. They just keep it to themselves and are like, "Eh, it's just me. I'll I'll get over it. They also kind of noticed that the scenery started to change. It it started to look more like it was part of a painting instead of something tangible right in front of them. They were in the painting. Hmm. So soon they start to come up to the small little kiosk that's on the pathway. And there's this man that's sitting close to it. And he's got this cloak and this hat, which Miss Morrison found kind of odd because it was kind of a warm day. I mean, it's, you know, middle of August, but he's wearing this big cloak. So he looks at the women and Miss Morrison instantly felt alarmed whenever he looked at her. Notice that his expression she describes as repulsive. And Miss Lamont noticed that it looked like he had scars from the pox, but his face looks just with malice. Hmm. They come up to this fork in the road and they're both kind of asking like, oh, which way should we go? Should we go to the right? Should we go to the left? Miss Morrison, even though she never said at any point, she just didn't feel like she could go to the left. That was not the path that she wanted to take whatsoever. Around that point, though, all of a sudden they hear someone start to run up on them. And they look around and there's there's no one there. But then all of a sudden this guy shows up next to them near these rocks over on the left. And he says, Madame, Madame, like, no, you don't want to go this way. You don't go to the left. You want to go to the right. Go to the right. You'll find the Petit Trianon. Like, let's go that way. They both thank him. I mean, Miss Morrison, of course, she didn't want to go to the left. So she's like, all right, peace out, guys, and go straight to the right. And then her and Miss Lamont thank the young man, and then he runs away. But just like before, they don't see him leave. They just hear him. So both women keep going. And they, at this point, conversations kind of stopped between the two of them. So they go over this small bridge, and they come up next to this like little waterfall. As they passed by it, Miss Morrison saw a small house with a woman sitting on the porch, maybe sketching or writing. She had something in her hands. Lucemont felt a sudden urge to move her gown out of the way, although she wasn't really sure why. As they walked by the woman, Miss Morrison made eye contact and, like, you know, walked past her, walked away from her, still had eye contact with her. And she didn't seem like she was an unpleasant woman. She didn't seem like she was angry or anything, but it also wasn't someone she wanted to look at for very long. So she stopped making eye contact and then they crossed over a terrace and noticed that there was another house along the path. All of a sudden they saw a man step out onto the terrace of that home, slamming the door behind him. He found them and directed them towards a different way to the Petit Trianon, which both women thought were weird because it was 
backtracking where the gardeners had originally told them to go. Mm -hmm. They followed along, and whenever they entered into that entrance hall, they were actually made to wait for an arrival of a French wedding party. After all of that, the women went back, got some tea, went along their way without ever really speaking about the trip. About a week later, Miss Morrison decided she's going to write up, you know, her her experience in France, including this trip to Petit Trianon. But while she's writing that, she asks Miss Lamont, do you think the Petit Trianon is haunted? And she responds, yes. Both women decide to write their experiences down separately and then compare the two. Once they did, they noticed that there were some things that don't add up. Aside from the fact that, like, shit was weird. Right. (laughs) Shit shit was weird. Shit didn't make sense. So, at the beginning of the tale, Miss Lamont was pretty confident with the direction that she thought she needed to go. And Miss Morrison was confused why she didn't just ask the woman that was waving the handkerchief. Apparently, Miss Lamont didn't see her. So she just picked the path that looked like it was the correct way and went that way. They did both agree that they saw the gardeners. They agreed on the the dress that they were wearing. Miss Lamont didn't really realize what they had in their hand, but Miss Morrison agreed that it was a spade. And so probably leads to believe that they were gardeners. Okay. So Miss Lamont was the only one that saw the woman and the little girl that was getting the jug. That was just kind of a note in there that Miss Morris didn't see her. They did agree that the man with the pox face looked a little sinister and gave him the heebie-jeebies and was wearing something that didn't quite go with the season. Okay. And Miss Morrison uh, mentioned the woman that was sitting there sketching. Miss Lamont was shocked because she said she never saw that woman, even though she just for some reason was compelled to move her skirt so it wouldn't brush against someone. She couldn't figure out why, though. But apparently there was a woman there at that time. So those are the parts that don't line up in their story. Not that they're saying that they don't line up because, like, oh, we're making shit up. They actually went on to do extensive research. Like, if you guys go get that book, you can read it online. Um, I don't know. I'm sure you could buy a copy of it somewhere. They do go through. They uh, Miss Lamont actually goes back at one point and ends up in a forest that she can't find again afterwards. They're not sure what exactly happened there. So part of the research that they did was, you know, of course, the history of Petit Triadon. And they actually heard some rumors that on a day in August, you can see Marie Antoinette and some of her court out there on the grounds because of the French Revolution. And August 10th, 1792 was the insurrection. It's believed that what Miss Morrison saw, the woman sitting there sketching, was Marie Antoinette. Huh. And she she was there. She was mourning because of everything that was going on. And it was before, you know, her end was coming and everything. So that's that's the story with that. Again, like that book has all of the information. They actually go through and they look at different maps because Versailles itself was actually open to the public, like freely open to the public in like 18 something. So there was no reason for in 1901 for someone to be like, hey, you can't go this way. You can't go to the left. You need to go over here. Like having people usher them certain ways. Yeah. It it was freely open. And whenever they went back several times, like in 1902, in 1904, I think they went back 1910, each time it was it was free and there were like a whole bunch of people that were there. But the time that they went, it was just them on the path with these other people that they saw along the way. So huh. that's probably one of the more famous time slips. They just ended up in French insurrection. Yeah, that's really weird. So, huh? I so while you were you were telling that, I'm sure you saw my face. Um, I saw your face a lot. Yeah. What? what? <laughs> I realized that I may have had my own time slip. I don't know if you remember the one time I was talking about seeing this set of three graves right outside of one of the cities that I passed her to come down to you. Mm-mm. 
right after the sheriff's office, I remember looking over and being like, oh, yeah, the graves. And I saw a set of three graves and I cannot find them again. I was going to say, I don't know of a graveyard. There's next time you come up, you just look. There's um, there's one that's if you're coming up this way, it's on the left. If you're coming down, it's on your right. Mm. It's a pretty big graveyard. It's like where there's like this crossroad. It's a little triangular plot of land. But where I saw these graves is not associated with the graveyard. It was three solitary graves. Like I can draw it. And every time I look, it's not there anymore. So I wonder if I had a really small time slip that I saw these graves that may have been there. And now because I can't find them, like, I don't know. It's very weird. I've been, that's always on my mind. Dad, he found that house yeah. on one of those back roads, one of the back roads here in Texas. Uh, he found that house and he took a picture of it and that picture doesn't exist and we can't find the house again. Right. So either, either spooky ghost house. See, that's my thing is I'm like, okay, either this is ghosty shit or it's a time slip. Right. Because you can even go as far as like, my only issue with really all of these stories, um, if it's like like a residual kind of haunting, is yeah. they interact with them. That's the problem. Right. Yeah. I mean, the only ones that don't are like the on Bold Street, it, you know, the man interacts with the woman that seems to be from the 90s. Like they interact together. And then the guy that was running, he doesn't really interact with anyone. So it's it's not like that could be a residual kind of deal. But then you look at the the one in um, in Louisiana, you know, he he talked to the woman and was like, you know, pull over, let us help you. Right. And same with Miss Morrison and uh, Miss Lamont. Like they, they had full on not conversations, but like they they did converse with these these people or spirits or whatever you want to call them. So is it a haunting? Is it a time slip? Like, yeah, you know, especially if they say that Marie Antoinette can be seen, you know, one night in August doing this. Like, is it just a residual haunted time slip? <laughs> residual haunted time slip. I'm just, I'm, I'm just thinking I know, like, yeah. if you can, if a point in time is so, you know, emotionally charged, is it possible that it can haunt that time space? I don't see why not. I mean, if if the stone tape theory can exist, anything can exist. That's True. kind of my view on it. Yeah, that's... Yeah. I've heard of time slips where they've actually seen pterodactyls in the sky, where there's been a time slip of that particular portion of sky will rip to show prehistoric back when hmm. pterosaurs were a thing and you can see the pterodactyl fly off and then it vanishes while you shit your pants i 100%, mean that i would be i mean i'd be like that's a freaking yeah. pterodactyl and then i would shit my pants i'd probably die yeah. yep <laughs> yep there was one thing that i saw that i was like i don't know how fully i believe this um uh, i'm sure you can google it and you can find the video that i'm talking about there is a guy that he says that he met his future self. So I don't know if this is a time slip. I don't know if this is just two dudes that were like, huh, huh, we can get away with something. But like <laughs> he says he came home and he saw a big puddle of water in his kitchen. And he was like, oh, I have a leak. So he decides he's going to get his tools and he's going to get under the sink and he's going to fix, fix the leak. And he gets under there and he keeps crawling and crawling and crawling and then all of a sudden there's a light and he crawls out and he comes face to face with himself 70 years in the future and he's like holy shit no one's gonna believe me so i still have my cell phone so he pulls it out takes a video and they both show their tattoo that they both have on their right arm but also at the same time like it's not a super unique tattoo the guy in his 70s yeah. like the tattoo kind of like, I would think it would be more faded. I mean, maybe he just like super duper skincare takes care of his shit. Because Taylor, your tattoos faded real quick. Like, you know, so don't don't tat shame. I'm me. not tat shaming. <laughs> I'm calling you out for not taking care of your shit. You know, that one. I'm like, eh. I, I would have to watch the video. 
But I, I could very easily see that being done with some very good movie makeup, FX kind of makeup. And, you know, if you can make a tattoo look faded, but if the tattoo doesn't look faded, like a tattoo on a 26 year old is going to look extremely different compared to a tattoo on a 70 year old. The tattoo on the 70 year old is going to appear blue in color. The edges are going to be fuzzy. Well, on the 26-year-old, it's going to be much sharper, well, more of the black colors. And-, and the way that it looks, like, you could almost think, like, these two dudes were like, wow, we look alike. Like, you look like me when I was 20. And he was like, dude, so that's what I would look like when I'm 70. And he was like, man, if only we had the same tattoo, we'd be twins. And so the dude from the 20s was like, hell yeah, I'm going to go get the same tattoo. And then gets it, and then they make this video. Like, I yeah. don't know. I mean, I wasn't there, so I don't know. Maybe right. you do have a weird portal underneath your kitchen sink, which is a really weird spot. The sink portal. But it really is. I would think if the whole Earth is part of a spinning space-time vortex, anywhere it could be, maybe. That's legit. Maybe. Yeah. Well, that was super trippy, and now I feel like I need drugs or something <laughs> like maybe we should put a disclaimer at the beginning of the episode of like if you're not high you should get high <laughs> you should get high because <laughs> if you don't your brain would melt find something hey who knows maybe if you do listen while you're high you'll actually find some answers for us because you'll be like whoa man like what this is crazy or you'll have like your own like realization that you yourself have been through a time slip maybe that's legit i don't know if you do discover that you've been through a time (laughs) slip tell us or did they already tell us oh (laughs) they haven't already told us (laughs) you don't know that taylor the future is now and the past is the future my brain doesn't like that my brain likes logic it likes sequential things it brings me to think about hauntings are is it a haunting or are we simply in their time period and they think that we're interrupting them do they say hello and we say hello because they're like someone's in my house like hello and then we go who is this and they're like it's fucking jim you dick who are you like <laughs> what it's fucking, it's jim. fucking jim so what if hauntings aren't necessarily spirits But it's really just the space-time vortex having its little heyday and mixing realities. Could very well be. That is an entire theory that it's all different dimensions and what we experience as hauntings or particularly shadow people and that kind of thing is actually interdimensional beings coming through from different space-time. Yeah. It is entirely possible. So crazy shit. That is crazy shit. I need a cupcake. I need something. Eat these emotions that I can't decide what emotions they are, but I'm gonna eat them. Yeah, my emotions. So, oh, that was good. I like that. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, I think next time you're gonna have something that's not as triptastic, right? No, we are doing paranormal equipment. Get ready for more science shit. More science, but this is less blow your mind science and more just regular science. So you won't need to feel like you've you needed some acid before this. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So it'll be fun. And then after that, we we should after that have an evidence review uh, for the last time that we were at the lake because I'm still working through all that. It's surprising how long it takes to get through video footage. Damn right. So, um, which I actually had a theory about that too what if those train whistles are in a time slip i it could very well be (laughs) because we didn't freaking get them the second time spoiler alert you guys we got the we got the train whistles that first time we did not get them the second time and my mind is not okay with it so i don't know we're in for the time slip let's do the time (laughs) okay i won't sing anymore but we're gonna get copyrighted (laughs) and shut it down shut it down okay but yeah we'll have that eventually hopefully in the next week or so because 
uh, Whitney will be going to LaSalle. Yep. And having a time there. And she'll be doing some ghost hunting. So I actually dropped off all of my equipment. So thank you very much for listening. And if you have your own spooky time slip stories, tell us. Or have you already told us at the ghost sisters tx at gmail.com <laughs> oh, or at the ghost sisters tx for instagram and pinterest or the ghost sisters at facebook and twitter hell yeah and we also have a reddit i did create a reddit we have a subreddit that is the ghost sisters guys she told me that she was like, we have a Reddit. And I was like, why the fuck do we have a Reddit? And then I went out there and it says, ooh, sorry, nothing's been posted yet. Why the fuck do we have a Reddit, Taylor? <laughs> I just was like, I might as well grab this because we got to compete with the Ghost Sisters band to get our name. So I was like, this is ours. I, I don't think the band is that concerned with Reddit. They might be. You don't know. I, it, I, so far, it's not looking like it because no one's posted and been like, hey, you bitches suck. Like, what? Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. true. That being said, please don't post, hey, you bitches suck. <laughs> Unless it's like suck in like the like cool way, which I don't really know how that's, you know, like what are, what are the kids saying these days? <laughs> Bet. Bet. <laughs> Straight up, no cap. <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> I need to ask I need to ask like kids in my class <laughs> what are the what are the children saying nowadays? You guys gotta give me some hip cool words. That shit slaps. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For realsies, we're gonna let you go because I'm sure you're like, oh my god. So thank you for listening. Yes. And we appreciate it. And we will spook you later, bitches. Spook you later, bitches. Okay, bye. Bye.